the church as we celebrate this Emmanuel, the coming of the Christ child, God with us, let me invite you to open up God's Word with me to the book of Psalms, in the center of your Bible. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find this text on page 509, Psalm 146, as we continue our Advent series titled Songs for Christmas. When it comes to the intellectual pursuit of God, I think there are two fundamental questions uh, that must be answered and of which everyone must consider. The first of these, I think, is rather obvious. It is this. uh, Is God real? Is God real? Does he exist? And the second, then, that follows is, can I trust him? Is God real? And can I trust him? I realize that a major question then that must necessarily follow is, who is he? What is he like? Uh, What are his attributes? Uh, What is he doing? What is he about? Uh, But first, uh, if we don't believe him to be trustworthy, might I suggest that we don't really care who he is? We want to know who he is. But before we devote ourselves to knowing who he is, we want to know that we can trust him. Well, the psalmists assume that God is real. Make no bones about it. They assume that he is real. Uh, In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 14, uh, verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. It's the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. The authors of this book, the authors of God's word, assume that the existence of God is a given based upon natural and observable evidence in creation. But although they believe in their maker, the They don't always assume, I don't think, at least not right away, that he is trustworthy. But they question and they they cry out. The book of Psalms is filled with such texts. But in the end, the Psalter clearly moves toward praise because the trust question has been resolved. Those who trust the Lord will praise the Lord. Those who trust the Lord will praise the Lord. And so the psalmist invites us in this text, in Psalm 146, invites the faith community, those who trust the Lord, to praise the Lord. And so let's look at it together. As you find your place in Psalm 146, let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's Word. The Bible reads this way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion. For all generations, praise the Lord. Let's bow together. And Father, we counted a privilege this morning to open your word. Lord, to hear from you. Lord, to speak to you and to sing to you, to gather in your name. And so, Lord, we 
recognize that your spirit is among us today, for your spirit resides in those who, who trust you, those who are yours. So, Lord, we pray now that your spirit would speak to us, that your spirit would guide us through your word, that we might walk according to it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The church, you may be seated. Well, though praising the Lord, or Yahweh, as you see in this text, all caps, that Lord all caps is found here a number of times in this psalm and throughout much of the Old Testament, a reference to the personal covenant name of God by which he made himself known to Moses at the burning bush, the name that means I am who I am, name that means he is, God always is. Well, though praising this one is on the forefront here and in all the psalms that follow, the final uh, four psalms after this this psalm all begin and end, by the way, with hallelujah, praise the Lord. Although praise is central here, uh, the question of trust is also central to this, this text. For we will not praise the Lord if we do not trust the Lord. Those who trust the Lord will praise the Lord. And you become one of the Lord's, you become one of God's people by trusting in Him. By turning to Him in faith. And God's people praise him forever. God's people praise Him forever. They're called, they're invited, they're instructed to praise Him forever, here and now and forevermore. The psalm begins and ends with a call to praise. Verse 1, praise the Lord. Verse 10, we hear the Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. I think praise assumes a relationship. There's a relationship Uh, Here, one of authority and submission, one of worthiness and unworthiness, one of reigning and one of responsibility. God's people praise him forever because he reigns forever. Verse 10. So the invitation, the call is issued to the faith community. It's issued to believers. It's it's issued to a gathered people. And so we praise him corporately called to praise him corporately. The text is clear. We're called to praise Him corporately. The the verb is plural here. You, plural, praise the Lord. You, Israel, praise the Lord. You gathered people, praise the Lord. You, church, praise the Lord. You saved, you people of faith, praise the Lord. You brothers and sisters, you sons and daughters, you members of God's household, praise the Lord. The call is for the collective community to praise God together, which cannot be fulfilled if the community does not gather together. The author of Hebrews, the New Testament epistle to the Hebrews, encourages us in that way. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, he writes, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This is not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, may we be a people who gather and gather often to to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. May we gather to encourage one another in the faith. Let's keep gathering week after week and Sunday after Sunday to praise God corporately because we trust Him, because He's worthy. The call is to praise Him corporately, but also individually. We praise Him individually. Verse 1, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. The psalmist exhorts himself here. 
He calls upon himself. He exhorts himself to praise God, addressing, uh, addressing the call to his own soul, meaning his whole being. He says, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise uh, God with all that I am. I, I praise you, God, here and now, but not only here and now, for I will sing praise to my God as long as I live, he says. Remember the story of Moses and Moses' departure right before the Israelites enter into the promised land. They've been on the edge of the promised land. And Moses uh, dies and Joshua assumes the position of leadership. Begins to lead the Israelites. Joshua leads the Israelites into uh, the land of Canaan, the promised land. A land that's a good land, but a a land that's filled with pagan peoples worshiping a plethora of, of pagan gods. And so Joshua exhorts the people of Israel. Upon entrance into the land, Joshua chapter 24, he says... Now fear the Lord. Fear the Lord and serve Him. Same word, worship or worship. Fear the Lord or worship Him with all faithfulness. He says, throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve or worship the Lord. It says verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors... Your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Friend, who are you serving? Are you worshiping the Lord? Is the Lord God the object of your worship? God's people praise Him and Him alone forever. For they know firsthand that He alone is trustworthy. The wise trust in their eternal maker rather than in mere mortals. That's where the text turns next. The the wise, they they trust in him. They trust in their maker and their creator rather than in mere mortals. Mortals disappoint. Right? People fail us because people fail. Even the greatest leaders and the greatest warriors, the greatest athletes, the greatest actors, the greatest politicians, the greatest parents, all fail us because they have limitations. The Lord does not. My four-year-old, Paxton, has uh, recently uh, begun digesting the potential implications of this truth. And so a few times now, just recently, I don't know where this really came from, but he has said something like this to me. He would say, Daddy, you're not the boss. A couple times he's even taken that a step further. Daddy, you're not the boss of me. Eyes confidently raised, eyebrows confidently raised, and Head gently shaken side to side. God's the boss. You're not the boss. God's the king. Sort of takes you back a bit. I I mean, moms, how do you respond to that? Scriptures say, do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. God alone can save. God alone is always faithful. God alone is always faithful victorious in battle. God alone holds a position that is unchanging for people and their plans perish. People and their plans perish. People may come up with some elaborate plans, some good plans, battle plans, 
sports plans, recruiting plans, house plans, career plans. But when they die, their plans perish with them. When their spirit departs, verse 4, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Whatever they were scheming, whatever they were thinking about doing, whatever they were trying to accomplish, good, bad, or otherwise, dies along with them. The text here echoes Solomon the Wise's words recorded in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7 about death. He calls on his listeners to remember their Creator, to remember their God. He says, before the dust returns to the ground it came from and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Drive this point home as a wordplay here in the original language of the Old Testament. It doesn't come through in translation. Emphasizing the fragility and the mortality of man when compared to God. Uh, It says, do not put your trust in princes and human beings, literally, a son of man. Or in the Hebrew, ben adam, who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground, adama. Listen for it. Do not trust in ben adam. When their spirit departs, they return to the adama. Do not trust in ben adam. They return to the adama. People and their plans perish. But God is our help, giving us hope. God is our help, giving us hope. The Lord God will not die, the text says. His plans will never perish. Thus, He is able to help. Verse 5, blessed is the one, or blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. God is the God who helps us. God is the God who helps the hurting That is a God who restores and reconciles. God is a God of of hope. Because He is God, He is certainly able to help. And because He's good and gracious, He will help. He does help. He is our help. He's our deliverer. He's our comfort. He's our Father. He's our shepherd. His power and His character give us hope. Let me ask you this morning, do you know the hope given by the God who helps? Do you know the hope that is found in the birth of a Savior, the birth of the Christ child? Do you know the hope that is found in Emmanuel, God with us? The hope for a future with the Lord, the kind of hope that wells up this internal sense of joy and delight and satisfaction in God that overflows in praise to Him. Do you know the hope given by the God who helps? I ask you this morning because many don't know the hope. Many aren't singing for joy. Many don't know the satisfaction given by a relationship with the Lord. Many aren't trusting the Lord Jesus because for many they've they've never even heard of Him. They don't know about Him. Church, our God is, as the psalmist writes, the maker of heaven and earth the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever, and yet many whom He made do not know Him. They do not know their Maker. They do not know that He alone can save their souls. They do not know the living God to whom we pray. I pray that this would be a reminder for me and for others that Many that we have to pray for this people so that many of them would take off their caps as was shared in the video and 
embrace faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray for these. Pray for others who do not know the the living God. Let's pray for others that don't know Emmanuel, that don't know the Christ child who has come to save us from our sins. And church, I want you to know this morning that you are making a difference in this. That you are. You're making a difference. For When we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we are supporting ministry, gospel work today. Gospel work among many other unreached people groups, some of the most unreached people groups around the world. So let's, let's pray. Let's pray for them and let's pray how we can give generously and sacrificially above and beyond for the sake of the spread of the fame and reputation of Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior all across this world. You see, because we know the Lord, because we know that He is trustworthy, we want others to hear of Him. We want others to trust in Him. We want others to begin praising Him. God's people praise Him forever. We praise Him forever because He is trustworthy. And we know He's trustworthy because He delivers His people. Our God is trustworthy because He delivers His people. The text prepares to conclude by recounting the ways in which God delivers His people. He saves, verse 7, the oppressed, the hungry, the prisoners. Verse 7, He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry, The Lord sets prisoners free. The point is that He cares about justice in the world. We saw this last week as we looked at Psalm 72. Psalm 72, verse 1. A prayer for the king. Endow the king, the earthly king, with your justice, O God. God desires justice, and yet we know there's much injustice in the world. Perhaps there are some among us this morning that are victims of injustice. Maybe you are oppressed. If so, know that God is a God who upholds the cause of the oppressed. And He's a God who gives food to the hungry. We know that food, our food, doesn't originate at the grocery store. And according to the Scriptures, not even at the farm, but from the plan and provision of God Most High. The food that we'll eat today is a gift from God. He gives food to the hungry and He sets the prisoner free. Was enslaved and wrongfully imprisoned are not forgotten by God. He delivers. He is trustworthy because He delivers the oppressed, the hungry, the prisoners, the blind, and the depressed. God is a God who rescues the blind and the depressed. Verse 8, the Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. To be blind is to be at the mercy of others. Exercising dependence on someone else. To be in need of help from others. There is hope even for the blind. For the Lord gives sight to the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. Meaning those who are discouraged. Those who are weak. Those overwhelmed with burdens and debts and labor and pain. The Lord lifts them up. And so if you are in that camp, then the Lord can lift you up too. The Lord God delivers He delivers the oppressed. He delivers the hungry. He he provides food for the hungry, the prisoners, the blind, the depressed, the righteous, and the outcast. Delivers the righteous and the outcast. The Lord loves the righteous. Verse 9, the Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But He frustrates the ways of the wicked. God cares about all. We take the Scriptures seriously, then we see that God is a God who cares about all. He doesn't show favoritism. He He doesn't show favoritism to the poor, nor the rich. He cares about justice. 
and mercy. He's a God who cares for all. And the point here is that He cares deeply for those who have the most difficult portion, the most difficult lot in life, those with few resources, those who are often mistreated and neglected. The Lord cares. He is trustworthy because He cares. God has and does care for the hurting. And because He does, He calls us as His people, as His children, to stand in the gap, so to speak, as His agents, caring for the hurting, loving the lost. He has and does deliver often in this life, but not always in this life. He can, and sometimes He does. Jesus could, and sometimes He did. Sometimes Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead and cured diseases. But more than that, Jesus came to announce and embody a mission. He came to overcome the greater issue, the issue that ultimately is responsible for all the other issues. That issue is our sin, our rebellion against God. Jesus came to redeem. He came to restore. He came to reconcile. He came to reverse the curse caused by our sin. He did come preaching mercy and proclaiming justice, and he called us to trust in him. And he still calls us to trust him. He announced hope. Hope through the gospel story. The story of his coming, of his living, of his dying, of his rising, and of the promise of his soon returning. He came confirming that God remains faithful forever, verse 6. The coming of Jesus is assurance that God is faithful, for he has been faithful to his promises. He has been faithful to his plan of redemption. So, friends, consider his character. Consider his character. Consider the character of the God who not only creates you, but who saves. The God who acts on our behalf. The God who gives us his righteousness. I had the privilege this last week to go uh, eat with some in this church, to go eat with one of our senior Sunday school classes uh, for their Christmas luncheon. And we went to the Bright Star restaurant over in Bessemer. Uh, one of America's uh, best historic restaurants. Uh, and for this reason, many celebrities have gone there to eat. Uh, no doubt they'll continue to do so. In fact, in the room that we were sitting, uh, one of our own church members, Don Lucas, had the privilege of sitting in a seat that had a little plaque on it uh, that said, Sandra Bullock sat here. Oh, for folks to know that they've sat in the seat that Sandra Bullock sat in, someone must have said. Let me tell you this morning, might I suggest today that we serve a God who invites us to sit, not in the chair that Jesus sat in, but at the table with the Son of God and Lord of all creation, to sit at the table with the one who is the fullness of God and human flesh, to be robed in his righteousness alone, to be regarded as Christ's children, to be counted as co-heirs of King Jesus in His kingdom. Friends, not only is God real, but He is that kind of God. He is a generous and gracious giver of eternal life. Could you trust that kind of God? Could you trust Him? Friends, the psalm calls us, this text calls us, God calls us to trust Him today. To consider His character and to trust Him today. Trust Him today. Trust the Savior today. I want you to pause just for a moment. If you've got pen and paper, take a moment. Begin to jot down why he's trustworthy. What has he done? Who is he that makes him trustworthy? Go ahead. Jot it down. That's what the psalmist did here. 
I'm only going to call on a few of you to share in a moment, so go ahead, take your time. Is he trustworthy? I believe he is. I am absolutely convinced that the one and only living God is trustworthy. He can be trusted. What about you? Consider his character. Trust him today. And finally, praise him now. Praise him now. Those who trust the Lord will praise the Lord. Joyfully declaring hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O church, for all generations. Praise the Lord. And Father, may we be a people who praise you. Lord, may we be a people who take your word to heart. Father, we acknowledge this morning that we believe in you. Lord, that you are faithful, that you are present, that you are merciful and good. Lord, not only are you the king of all creation, not only are you the boss, not only are you God most high, holy, incomparable, set apart, but you are a God who looks on us with mercy. A God who not only knows us, but desires to be known by us, to be in relationship with us, or to be in a place with us. But a God who has come to our place so that we might be saved. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your justice. We thank you for your good and kind character. Father, I pray that your spirit would work this morning, would continue to work in our lives, convicting us of our error, urging us to repent, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth. Father, may we worship you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray.